Welcome to the only podcast that's flame grilled perfection. It's the Redenbacher podcast. I'm your host, Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Fullerwell. What's cracking, Ben? Oh, buddy, breakfast. Eggs are cracking. Something like that. <laughs> the I don't rice know. as well as the Krispies are cracking. And that's, it's they're, crazy. They're popping too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So is this episode. So. I, I heard tell of pop. Uh, yeah, this episode was really, really cool. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, this is a super interesting episode. Um, there's so many elements that make it a good episode, but we'll get into that as as we get along in things. Yeah, so without further ado, we're receiving a transmission. <laughs> exactly. The the, uh, the transmission machine seems to be a little uh, under the weather this week. But nevertheless, uh, we, we received uh, an episode called Lasting Impressions, directed by Kelly Cronin and written by our, our friend in New York, Seth McFarlane. And I, I like the title of this episode, Lasting Impressions, because it is going to leave a lasting impression on me. I think this was a really deep episode. Yeah, this episode's left me with like a lot actually on my mind afterwards. Um, you know, I won't lie, like I cried a little bit, I laughed a lot. Uh, this is this episode was all over the place and all the places you want to be all over. Um, <laughs> it was heavy stuff. I, yeah, super heavy stuff, man. From from a Gordon episode, no less. Like he's like the silliest member of the cl- the crew, arguably. He's the one that said it was the weirdest ship in the fleet, and yet this is the most heart wrenching episode for me so far. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, Gordon's kind of happy-go-lucky, silly guy, and, um, well, today he's not so... Well, he is happy-go-lucky, but not for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, we'll talk about this episode in two parts, because there's the A story with Gordon and the B story with Bordas, so we'll separate the two so it's much easier to talk about. Mm-hmm. They're both it, great, so stay tuned, because B-plot's <laughs> coming second. Yeah, for sure. So, we opened the episode to an array of items on the table from 2015. We learned that they're from a time a time capsule, Dr. Sherman tells us. And you might recognize Dr. Sherman, old Star Trek fans there, and he was Tuvok in Voyager. Yes, sir. Uh, myself being a large Trek fan, uh, Voyager actually being my favorite series, um, when I heard the opening scene, and before you even see Dr. Sherman, you can hear Tim Russ's voice, and you're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And then you see him and you're like, oh, my God, it's Tuvok. What yeah, up, my boy? It was really cool to see him in this episode. And it was a nice role for him. I don't know if we'll see Dr. Sherman again, but the door is open. I sure hope so, man. Sure. What, is, so, what man. is he like, an archaeologist, an Indiana Jones style figure? Or what What are we looking at? Um, In in this episode or, or Tuvok? Sorry. No, I, I mean like Dr. Sherman. Oh, Dr. Sherman. Yeah, OK. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems to be like he's, he's some sort of scientist perhaps, or maybe an archeologist really. I mean, or like a museum curator or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. What he he's involved with history at some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's just weird to think of items from like, you know, three or four years ago as being like archeological, archeological finds or whatever, you know, that's cool. No, it's pretty neat. Yeah, you're right. Because like when we do excavations on things, we'll find pottery, we'll find you know this and that. We might, you know what I mean. But um, it's interesting actually, because yeah, you think about what the future holds. Uh, a couple hundred years from now, you know, they might find like ruins of maybe like an apartment building that fell apart, and you find like old televisions and old. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. Yeah, it's, um, cool. it's cool way to think about it. Yeah, it's super neato. So the time capsule items include a bottle of five-hour energy, a can of Coke. A light bulb. I think it's a filament light bulb. I'm not sure. A, a container of Spam, a New York Yankees <laughs> hat, a copy of USA Today, and a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey, just so people know what garbage looks like, uh, some U.S. currency, a birthday card, some Purell, a Snickers bar, an X-Men t-shirt, some flip-flops, 
a box of Oreos, if you get that reference, uh, message me, uh, a cell phone, <laughs> and a copy of Minecraft, as well as some cigarettes. I didn't notice the copy of Minecraft. At first, when I saw it, I thought it was a uh, banjo because nuts and bolts, and I was like, no, why would you preserve that for anyone? <laughs> no, burn that shit. <laughs> yeah, oh. but uh, I, I thought it was nuts and bolts. But they're bo- I wasn't far off, because they're both uh, creativity-based games. And Minecraft, for what it's worth, I mean, it is a cool system for kids. It is a cool platform for kids to get their ideas out there and inspire creativity. Yeah, it's kind of like digital Lego. That's how I like to think about Minecraft. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it was really cool to see the time capsule, and uh, there's flip flops in there. But it seems like they still wear at least like sandals, as we saw with uh, Tharl a few weeks back. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, you're yeah. right. Maybe the flip flop has been kind of uh, like out a little bit, but sandals live on, man. Like Jesus Christ wore sandals. Like <laughs> <laughs> even though you know religions have gone by the wayside for the most part. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was cool. Tala tries on the Yankees hat, and he says, and the Lamar says that she looks like a bonafide Earther. It's cool they use the term Earther and not Terran. Or anything like that, I noticed. Yeah, I know it was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, Tal, I think you look exceptionally good in that Yankees hat as well. Like, just putting that out there. Yeah, Tala's got a couple of looks this episode. We see Hipster Tala later on at the Pictionary game night party. But uh, the good looks for her, nonetheless. Super hip. Like, I almost didn't recognize her for half a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's kind of interesting is here on the Redenbacher, as we look back to the past, we're almost looking at a time capsule when we look at these old episodes. So we're looking at a time capsule of a time capsule. It's it's cool stuff. A time capsule of a time capsule. Someone should write that down. Something's going on there. It's making you never me think. Know. You never know. So yeah, the crew of the Orville's tasked with bringing the time capsule to a museum. And they are very much like the the uh, the uh, Planet Express delivery crew from time to time on this thing, where you just have to kind of like deliver stuff, which I'm okay with that if we get episodes like this. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this kind of stuff in previous Star Trek episodes, and they're like, you know, bringing medical supplies to a colony or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, the delivery game, you know, being a space courier isn't... Well, actually, it's not all that bad. Like, we've seen Futurama. Like, yeah. it's pretty cool stuff. It's so, a fun life. You, good you, on you, them, you, Orville. Yeah, exactly. As uh, we see the cigarettes, uh, Bordas asked about them, and he seems intrigued. It's Bordas that's looking for cigarettes, but it's Gordon that's trying to get a gram, a hologram of love. No, I, oh. I, I had to do that. but uh, No, it was a good one. I liked that very much. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what, what would you put in a time capsule if we made one right now? What, what would you put in it? Oh, man. Uh, that's an excellent question. I mean, you'd want something that like captivates like you know, not only like the time frame that you lived in, but, like, you know, maybe who you are as an individual. Um, honestly, I really don't know what I would put in. I might put in, like, a scrapbook of, you know, like, things that I write down or, you know, like, like art that I like to work on or something like that. Because I think that's a good way of expressing oneself, obviously, like yeah. artistic outlets. And it might be a good way for the potential unbarrier of the time capsule to really... I don't know, understand what I was thinking, what I was doing, kind of who I was as an individual in my time and space yeah. in it's uh, a nice snapshot. Earth. Yeah. What would you put in, Matt? I'd put in the uh, meme of, like, the bad, luck, <laughs> the bad Luck Brian meme. So they would be like, who is this Bad Luck Brian person? And they would try to simulate his life in the, in the <laughs> simulator, and then we'd see Bad Luck Brian. Although, it'd be pretty similar to Gordon's life at this point, because he does seem to be getting a lot of uh, bad luck here. It wouldn't be all that far off, really. <laughs> no, Someone no. should make a Bad Luck Gordon meme. <laughs> You know what? Uh, we might have to. Uh, I'm sure the Orville Meme Depot will be right on that. If they, I don't always fall in love, but when I do, it's with a hologram of a <laughs> <Yeah>. dead woman. <laughs> yeah, I put that in there in a bag of uh, Cool Ranch Doritos. So they're not my favorite, <laughs> but uh, they give me the best vibe. 
<laughs> it's all about that vibe. Passing on the vibes of Doritos to the future. And, of course, uh, a copy of Shrek 2, the greatest movie our generation ever ever uh, created. <laughs> Just to get the Shrek prints in there real quick. I had to throw it in. And I don't blame you one bit. It was, it was yeah. well-placed, Matt, right in the time capsule next to... Better call Slipknot before I forget here, but uh, just had to slip that reference in there. <laughs> oh, Jesus, these puns. It's just one after another after another. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, better move along. Uh, <laughs> All-American, before we come an All-American reject? like. Well, what, what's cool is, like, this podcast, I mentioned it, we're, it's kind of like a time capsule talking about a time capsule, but a podcast is like a time capsule as well, where we exist throughout the ether. You could be listening to this, you know, in the past and the future. We're hoping that somehow we can transmit it through time so that people of the 21st century can enjoy our takes on it from the future absolutely and it might get us some views in advance you know before the podcast even out we might have 100 views <laughs> exactly you never know working on that <laughs> yeah it's cool because you have uh one person is is attracted to one vice of the 21st century the cigarettes and another is intrigued by the cell phone we have gordon that looks at the cell phone and, and realizes it's like a telecommunication device and like the wires are afraid so they can't are afraid so they can't uh, charge it so they have to go to engineering to figure out a way to get it to work yo just like a quick second here i love that part when um dr sherman he's talking he's like interesting we see instead of saying the tele what is it like <laughs> WCF, an acronym. yeah yeah wireless telecommunications facility <laughs> yeah i love that bit so much it's just like okay well maybe that's how we are when we look at the past you know we put yeah. things from our time frame into someone else's mouth perhaps I um that. i love the way they're so like matter of fact but it's like as you can see the way they communicate with each other instead of just mentioning they need to go repair their phone they just use the letters wtf it must mean wireless telecommunications facility when it really is just like you know what it means because the the yeah exactly <laughs> So it's it's nice to see just how far removed your perspective can change uh, a view of certain things. Absolutely, yeah, it's neat. You know, like your time frame, like your. I mean, as we know about language, language is always changing how we use it. Um, and, and yeah, it's just kind of cool to see like that oversight. And it, yeah, it made me think of like, well, hey, wait a minute. I mean, I know this is just a joke, but like. How do we know that we're interpreting things correctly when we look at like time capsules or, or excavation sites or anything like that? Or any written text, any anything, even this episode, how do we know we're interpreting it? Like what's the right way to interpret something? When you're a writer, you could have one idea in mind, but someone could interpret those words negatively and go and do something terrible that you had never even thought of. So it's so many variables involved with text entertainment. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, let's. I guess we'll kind of jump back into things. Mosey on along here. Yeah, we're in engineering, <laughs> and uh, they're trying to repair the phone. Uh, uh, Lamar's got some good ideas. He tries to like reconfigure the technology to think in their 21st century ways, but it's the offit with the golden idea of. Did you try turning it on and off again? That really saves the day. <laughs> this is such like a clip from like the IT crowd or whatever. Just like, yeah. well, have you tried turning it on and off? Like, yeah, that's uh, like the pilot kind of deal stuff. But yeah. Uh, Gordon and Lamar finally get the phone phone working and they scroll through and they see uh, text messages and stuff as well as a video from a woman named Laura Huggins and she has a message for the future and says that she left her phone in the time capsule and hopefully uh, she leaves a good impression on, on the future. Mm-hmm. And what an impression she leaves on the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it, this is a, a cool role here played by uh, Leighton Meester. I've seen her in a few things. She's a great actress. And I think she did a great job playing like uh, a modern woman that's just, uh, you know, encased in 2015. She feels like she's got the same desires and the same, you know, same leisure activities that anyone would in this time or even in 2019 when the, when the episode aired. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, definitely a good representation of the past. And I mean, you know, it's really interesting because when I was seeing like everything that, there, that was in the time capsule, um, you know, like the cigarettes, like the baseball hat, like the X-Men shirt, the five-hour energy. Yeah. yeah, these are all like things from, I mean, not necessarily the year 2015, but like from like our kind of time frame. Yeah. Um, but they don't really like... I don't know. They don't really summarize much. You know what I mean? Tobacco use has been used for thousands of years. Like New York Yankees, we've had those hats for you know. I don't know when the New York Yankees first like became a team or any of that. But like I'm gonna say like almost a century. I don't know. Like all these things are kind of like they give you a small glimpse into like little bits and pieces, like a puzzle. But um, like Laura Higgins just left us like the mother load of like cultural background, like referencing. Like it was super cool. It made me really. Like, it's brilliant, actually. It's really interesting. This, this was clever. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I, even the way that uh, Dr. Sherman says later on when they show him that uh, they've managed to crack the code and get the phone working, he says, ancient media records tell us what, what the world wanted us to see, but finds like this can help us tell us who people were. So it's beyond like just what looks good on paper. This is like the real nitty-gritty stuff that you see. Yeah, I think that's really cool because, like, you know, obviously this is like the age of social media. Um and yeah, like everyone kind of, you know, they post this, they post that. I mean, hell, we post a lot of stuff too. Check it out on the at the Redenbacher. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But on, uh, anyway, on Insta on, there and Twitter. Yeah, but yeah, it's just interesting because because like he says, like yeah, like everyone will share what they want people to see, um, and they kind of glorify their life in such a way that's appealing to hopefully their peers, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really give you an accurate idea of what like their life really is. Um, and, and this totally gave them like a phenomenal insight to this individual and, and some people that were involved in her life. Um, super interesting. Super, super cool. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a lot of people already think our phones are, are listening to us. But look at this data they got from a 2015 phone. Just any word she said on the phone and stuff like that was, I guess, absorbed into the memory of the phone because they managed to get her voice and everything that could just be from video and stuff. But, you know, a lot of people think that phones are already listening to us. And, you know, not to mention, I'm not even going to bring up the Alexa of it all. If it was the Alexa, you could probably just like get like a <laughs> living member of you just get Laura living on the crew probably regularly if they could extract data from an Alexa. But it, it is interesting to see. Yeah, it's super neat. Um, and yeah, Big Brother's definitely watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, it's, that's it's, my paranoia for the day. Sorry. It's cool the way they talk about uh, her her phone, how she wants to like donate it to the capsule because it's like giving up your body to science in a way, where they're lo- going through all of everything of your being, basically your thoughts, your feelings, which is even more intimate than going through your body realistically and using your body to teach in a science uh, in a medical school or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's actually a really good, like, um, that's a really good comparison there. Because, yeah, it's like, you know, there's like a thing in the video when she's like, you know, now I'm dead now. You guys can figure out if I was cool or like a bitch or like whatever. Um, and, and it's true, actually. It's like we all know, like, the fear of, like, misplacing your phone. And you're like, oh, my God, like, that's my life. Like, I have, like, everything, you know, like personal messages. I have, like, you know, personal notes on my phone. I've got, like, all this credit card information. Info. Yeah, like, photos of, like, me and my friends. And, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's it's extremely personal. And you're right, like, to donate that to, like, a time capsule, it's literally, like, a chapter of someone's life. 
Yeah, for sure. It's funny uh, when you see the phone log. There's uh, a few. Uh, there's you can see some of the text, and there's one from a, a Grayson, hopefully not Kelly Grayson, that says uh, "send nudes," which is pretty accurate probably to the time. But what's funny is I think it was probably a message there from Nightwing, who's just trying to send a deck pic, would just be a picture of himself because he is Dick Grayson. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the effort they went into to making the phone seem realistic and yeah it's like an apple phone but uh whatever it, it's interesting how the phone kind of still has wi-fi and service on the ship but i'll allow it for this great episode yeah like did gordon also synthesize like a 4g lte like radio reception is a simulator so good that it has like an active cell signal at all times can simulate like a, a telus tower or something or verizon i don't know yeah super neato but it's interesting uh gordon heads down to the simulator and asks it to create a new program and it's cool the voice of the orville is rachel mcfarland that's seth mcfarland's sister she does a great job i find it was her birthday this week i'd like to wish her a happy birthday and on the day that we're recording this it's jay lee's birthday as well so Hope you have a good one, and thanks for bringing the glory of Lamar to the ship. Oh, that's a double birthday. Well, for this week's episode, it's a double birthday in that aspect. So, yeah, I'd like to have a big happy birthday to Rachel and, of course, to our boy Lamar. Yeah, and uh, William Shatner as well. He turned 88 this year, and uh, here's to many more, William Shatner, the uh, the man that helped start it all. I hope he comes back to Fan Expo next year. Oh, uh, buddy. Me too. I'm going to pay for that photo this time. <laughs> or cheesy. What what a legend. What a legend. So this is cool here. Gordon gets the simulator to like scan her phone, uh, scan Laura's phone, and then like absorb basically its data and make a simulation based on Laura's life. This is a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Thank God for like NFC, you know, because <laughs> like what I thought was funny is like they, they get like the phone powered back on. But it's like who the hell has like one of those apple like six pin no, like charger no. you know what i mean yeah it's, anyway it doesn't matter no that, that was pretty cool and uh, gordon enters uh, the simulator and it's just like a 2015 party or somewhere around 2015 she's got rid of that phone in 2015 so it could be like 2013 2014 yeah as gordon enters i noticed like a guy bumps into him and i thought that was greg if you guys if p- viewers out there listeners know uh, or can tell the difference i thought it was greg ben says it's probably a different guy but uh, it'd be cool if it was yeah, I don't think it's Greg for, for, for a couple of reasons. The guy does look like Greg, mm-hmm. but A, he doesn't have the beard. B, in that scene, Laura says, like, oh, you know, like, the breakup was so messy, it'd be awkward to stay in that old house. Like, and it'd just be weird if, if she found so much pain in staying in the house that they lived in when they broke up that I think it'd be weird that she'd invite him to her new party. But, I mean, hell, I don't know. It's if you true. guys know, let us know, so then we'll all know. I, I just like it for the element of, like, Gordon didn't even realize he just bumped into something that he missed, you know? Something he was missing of, like, oh, this is the ex-boyfriend. That's still, like, a shadow hanging over Laura, and she's not quite over him. So he's, you know, doomed before he even began, even though falling in love with the simulator is kind of a, a you know, kind of a zero-sum game. Absolutely. And you know what? This is interesting. Um, for those of us like who, who've watched Voyager, um, there's an episode where Harry Kim, he falls in love with the hologram, a girl from the hologram. Um, and Tuvok is actually the one who gets better luck with her, although he's not interested. But she falls for Tuvok in the end. And Harry Kim is very jealous and obsessive. And yeah, it's just interesting because, um, you know, we've seen this kind of stuff in Star Trek before. I mean, it's a tough one. Like, actually, I mean, and if you really want to think about it, I mean, aside from programming, the doctor, um, that's Robert Picardo on on Voyager, 
Um, he's a hologram. He's the emergency medical hologram, but he's treated as an equal. But it is relative to. But he's like alive, though, right? He's like yes, alive. Yes, he is yeah. a sentient. No, no, no. He was a. He was modeled after a doctor or the engineer or someone like that. But he's not actually a real person. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I just thought it was an interesting thing because I guess it really comes down to just being a sentient being and being a self-aware being, which really, I guess, defines life in in this strange yeah. kind of means of like photonic energy um anyway <laughs> That's cool. it's uh, it's interesting uh, yeah gordon enters the party and uh, he sees uh, laura in the kitchen pretends to be a friend of lorenzo and he lies his way into laura's life it's interesting laura mentions that she loves her new place and she just got a, a, out of a bad breakup and mm. th- that bad breakup does loom large over the story oh hell yeah she continues and she says that her and her ex were together for nine years so like that's that's a huge amount of time um gordon's like wow i love this so wow i don't even think i've owned a shirt for that long and it's <laughs> oh my god it reminds uh, me of last week when uh when oren was saying it's like oh yeah you still had a mohawk back then you know what i mean like he's gone through a, a fun times oh yeah um so laura also mentions that she works. works at Macy's, and this is funny because I rewatched the episode on Fox's <laughs> website. You just like sign in through your TV service provider, blah blah blah. And anyway, I started getting Macy's ads. I actually sent a photo to Matt, and I, yeah, that was the strangest thing. I was like, is it not like a crazy coincidence here? Um, but anyway, yeah. So she does mention that she works at Macy's, um, and <laughs> she has like a pretty bleak moment there where she's like, yeah, you know, I I want to <laughs> slip my wrist every time I say that, but whatever. She's like. Get ready for the generic kind of uh, answer. My real passion is music. Oh, my God. And she's she's actually like, I don't know if the actor is involved in the music scene. Like, she must be because, oh, my God, she's amazing. Like, she got them pipes. Yeah, she, she's talented. A lot of actors can sing as well. A lot of times it's required, especially if you're, like, on Broadway or something. But, yeah, no question she can sing if that was her voice that we heard. For sure. She killed it. Mm-hmm. Um... Gordon goes back and he he chats up Lamar and he's just talking about how real it was, how believable it was, like how fluid everything was. Um, and you can see that this is like the beginning of quite a obsession. Yeah, it's beyond a simulation now. This is he tries to move this into his regular life and you can't. A simulation is just a simulation, you know. You can't really do much more than that. You're simulating experience, but you're not really experiencing one fully. I mean, we all know, like, Gordon's had a hard time, and he mentioned something later about, you know, he's never found anyone on the Orville or anything like that, so why can't they just be happy for him? But, um, like, yeah, this is not, like, a healthy means of finding love or, or cheating yourself into feeling loved. It's it, it's so unhealthy on so many levels, but, I mean, you know, honestly, um, you know, you could probably see the appeal in it. Like, you could see, like, how that would happen. I mean... You know, oh, we've seen a couple yeah. episodes of this before in Star Trek. and In 2019 in Asia, there's a guy that married a hologram. So literally, there's a guy who married a hologram where it like appears on like a console in his in rooms in his house. And he legally married it. So, yeah, there's that right now. So, of course, if you had a full simulation device, you would see this uh, from time to time. Yeah, no, it's true. That's really crazy, though. I didn't know a guy actually married a hologram. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope they're happy together. Uh, you know, I hope that uh, you know. Does the holographic side of the wedding party have to pay or not? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, if she's inviting her whole family, you're gonna have to pay a programmer to program them first. Yeah. So Gordon and Lamar are having this discussion, and Gordon says, "We look at these images of people who live hundreds of years ago, and they're so distant-looking that it's easy to think they don't matter. But then you stand in a room like that, and you realize that this used to be their world, and it was just as alive to them as ours is to us." And Lamar says, "Hey, man, you didn't like." do drugs in there right and gordon goes no 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 no. this is it's a totally natural high and uh i, I like it because that is what you'd be thinking some people would be thinking like are you on drugs you cannot experience that like it's not the same as really being there i mean the technology is super duper cool and it's very practical very believable but i mean to kind of but you know what honestly like i, I i'm gonna cut myself off there because when i'm watching this it, it felt real to the viewer, too. Like, I didn't think about it being all, like, a hologram. Like, I just thought about Gordon's love and everything. I, I'm with yeah. Gordon. It seems real. <laughs> the episode about a simulation was in itself a simulation as what would happen if someone had access to a simulator and fell in love. So there's, a, like, two or three different, like, layers. It's like Inception where you got to go underneath. And, yeah, it's cool It's to see a simulation just like we watch a movie and learn from it. It's a simulation. But things don't happen 100% like that. And as much as the computer or the simulator can represent replicate what it saw on the phone that isn't exactly an authentic experience that it's showing no you're right it's it's a compilation of data and this and that and the other thing and it's just strung together into a program and um i mean yeah like it is what it is gordon i know it sucks but oh well i guess <laughs> exactly it seems so real and that's why it has such an impact so after lamar uh, keeps talking to him lamar tells him to keep a sanity check on which is a good way of saying hey like don't let this get the best of you and that uh, he says this girl's been dead for three and a half centuries, which is, you know, he's he knows he's putting distance between them. Um, he didn't know he was going to turn into it at that extent, but he kind of sees how it could be intriguing and how someone like Gordon could. Well, not to like kind of solo out Gordon, like a lot of people could kind of probably get caught up in that trap. But um, Lamar is definitely trying to be a bro right now. And he's like, yeah, Gordon, don't don't let this go too far, you know. He's like, looking out for his boy, yeah. Yeah, it's one thing to explore, and as, like, a scientific or, like, a cultural, like, a historical kind of perspective, but when you get personally involved in a simulation, yeah, like, it, it, it's only going to be heartache. Yeah, we get our first glimpse of casual Gordon as he's walking on the way to the simulator. He's wearing his polo shirt. He's going for an end of the town, and you, you, it's just so cocky. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go and simulate the, whatever this experience. Like, he has no business being there, but here he goes. And he enters a simulation of a barn. We see Laura singing quite beautifully, I must add. Super, super beautifully. Yeah, so Gordon's like, whoa, super intrigued. He's, he's like, dumbfounded. He looks like he's in awe. But yeah, um... Yeah, uh, I, I wrote here that um, this story I found, it was around this point, like, after thinking about this episode, I was realizing, like, it's a great metaphor this for meeting someone at the wrong time, whether it be years in the future or when they're in love with someone else, where it could be a relationship where you're in the 25th century and they're in the 21st and you're looking at a simulation. It's, you feel, it's just as out of place as if you were to meet someone and realize they have a boyfriend. It's like, hey, I'm in the wrong time. There's nothing I can do. You know, the, the only no. thing I, yeah, the only thing I'm guilty of is being here at the wrong time. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true, man. Um, it is actually a really good metaphor. You're right. Like, you know, oftentimes we meet people and we're very attached to them or intrigued by them and this and that. And then, you know, maybe we allow ourselves to think a certain way or to kind of anticipate certain things. But yeah, it's like in divine time, perhaps. But, you know, can't control these things. Things click and sometimes they're seconds apart. And sometimes they're 400 years apart. 
Yeah, and you can't get mad at the other person. It's not their fault. They're just existing. You know, it's not. It's and it's not the other person's fault either that they just so happen to have met them first. There's yeah. really nothing you can do. No, you're you're right. It's it's super interesting, man. How just time, how much like influence, just yeah. It, it's just it's a good one, Matt. Yeah, dude. Sometimes the time just isn't right, and anticipation really brings us down. We should just flow with it, I guess. But yeah, I, I wasn't gonna mention this in the podcast, but uh, you know, it, timing is everything. Like uh, the Redenbacher Reddit account was kicked out of the Orville subreddit this week, and I was really bummed about it. But then I got an offer from Orville Central to go and uh, write blogs for them and to post our podcast on there every week. And you know, it was uh, I was pretty bummed out, but now I'm really excited about what future we might have on the Orville Central, which is a great site. It's just Orville Central, not the Orville Central, and it's a great site. Check it out. It's super cool. It looks fantastic. Um, Matt's been mostly in communication with the individual hosting the website. Mm. So I, I'm not familiar with him. I don't know his name. I haven't personally spoken to him. But um, I would like to take the chance to say thank you very much. I think it's a brilliant website. And I can't wait to see where things go. Yeah, the future's looking bright. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, uh, back to the uh, the episode here. Uh, Laura mentions that all she wants is to be remembered. Like that's her great fear is like to be forgotten and stuff. It's she's basically like Bender in that Futurama episode with the Pharaoh, and it makes sense. A lot of people want to feel like they left the mark on this planet. They're not just you know a speck of dust on on this planet Earth here. No, it's absolutely true. I mean, being a human being, it's like, you know, we understand that our existence is temporary. Like, we study history. Unfortunately, we have no means of monitoring the future except for predictions and, in some belief systems, prophecy. We have um, The Simpsons. That's the closest thing. Yeah, pr- yeah pretty much. <laughs> Simpsons is the closest glimpse into the future we have currently. Um, and, I mean, yeah, when you think about your life and if you don't have uh, like a religious belief where your life is given meaning or whatever and you have something to look forward to um at the end of your life and things like that mortality is a very scary concept i mean time is so important and we want to make the most out of like every minute we want to like live to the fullest and all this other generic stuff that you always hear but it's really true. And to think that, like, you know, it's all going to be over in the blink of an eye and we're just going to return to, like, you know, the carbon and the all these, like, molecules that we're composed of. And that's my belief. I don't want to impose my belief on anyone else. But that, that's my concept of it. And, yeah, it's like, you know, all our life could just be over in a blink of an eye. No one would know any of our our passions, our loves, like, our romances, like, our friendships, like, you know, our struggles. And yeah, like I think ultimately we just want to put meaning behind a life that, you know, and we want to share and like expand our understanding of things and share it with other people. So I just think it's really, really neat that like she has a quote there and she's like, you know, there's millions of people and all of them are pretty much to be forgotten. And and it's really true. It's kind of scary, actually. Hey, yeah, uh, the way I kind of justify it is like just be the best person you can be and like you're remembered in the impact you had on you know the countless people's lives you've touched throughout yours yeah absolutely we'll, we'll get to that even in more depth later in the episode when um, gordon and kelly have that chat because mm. i think that i've just man this has made me think so much this episode it's freaking awesome and this is why this show carries the true spirit of star trek where you contemplate things and you think during the week as opposed to th- contemplating, like, have these writers seen the show? You see, you think, wow, this is some powerful stuff that can apply to anybody. And it's really thought-provoking, as well as funny at the same time. They've managed to inject comedy 
and just the perfect amount in this episode where I was laughing as well as just thinking deeply about life and many, many complicated issues. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And um, you know what, Matt? You know earlier in this episode when you asked me if we were going to do a time capsule, what would I put in it? Mm. I think I'm going to change my answer or oh, add yeah? something to it. I'm going to put this cop, this episode of the Orville on like a USB drive oh. um, and just pop it in there and be like, you're welcome think about that <laughs> like yeah the, the, i do that and uh you know there's probably a couple books i put in there maybe some stuff like that but yeah that's a good answer i'd put in like the orville season two and uh i put in both seasons i i love season one as well but uh looking forward podcast. to the <laughs> yeah of course of course you need that that's the perfect opinion i'd say but uh i'm interested to go back in season one to see if we get this much out of season one or maybe season two was just this much of a you know a, a smash hit um yeah i'm sorry about that kind of lengthy <laughs> yeah. kind of go but i mean wow uh yeah it's it's just too much to think about and not talk about it sometimes yeah uh gordon's talking to uh laura he mentions that uh he talks about how he learned to sing and he found out there was a way that he could get girls so of course that's how he learned how to sing that's the origin story of that if you've been waiting and i'm sure it's the origin story of how a lot of singers uh started learning to sing i was gonna say that's totally like how scott grimes learned to sing himself like... <laughs> I, I know i know i wouldn't be surprised one bit um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Lauren uh, brings up her ex's name, Greg, and Gordon says that it was his dad's name. And a lot of people were thinking that uh, this could be uh, a hint that she could have been like an ancestor of Gordon or something like that, which would have been extra creepy. Yeah, well, at least when they slept together, it was only really him sleeping with a hologram. <laughs> That's true. We're not going full Futurama here. We're not doing the nasty <laughs> in the past. No, it's going to be your own grandfather. But um... yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get a, a lesson on not changing the future for Mister. I'm my own grandpa. Great, you know. I, <laughs> I love that. Laura gives Gordon her phone number, and at this point, he's fully invested now in the lie, and he's got to go synthesize his own phone if he's actually gonna respond to her or not to break the reality. Yo, and it's so funny too because when she gives him her phone number, he doesn't even know what it is. He's like, "Oh, what's this?" It's like anybody would recognize like a phone number, just like the the little hyphens and like the amount of digits involved. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like you're really not from around here, are you, Gordon? Even when he texts her back, like, "Hi, this is Gordon. This is my phone number," or whatever he said, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You gave me your phone number, or whatever it was. It's cool. I I like the contrast of like future man talking with the you know an iMessage to someone. That's cool. Yeah, I love when he gets a call, but we'll talk about the call later. That was funny, too. He synthesizes his own phone, and then uh, it's weird. I don't know how she can text him back like the simulator is always active. What's cool, I'll bring this up now, is when Gordon invites them to uh, to the game night, he says it's simulator 2, so we know that there is two simulators, at least, on the Orville. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, because like, a couple weeks back, we are saying, like, is there like a wait list? Like, I don't know. You'd think they would have like one that's like uh, reserved for the bridge, or at least it, it uh, explains why there would be an opening, and it's not always busy. Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, you know, you think about the crew on the Orville. I don't remember, but it was mentioned in the Kalon War two-parter. Um, something like 300 people on board or something. So, you know, you get off, you're in your crew quarters or whatever, you're chilling. Mm. You know, you want to go to the bloody simulator. It's like the closest thing to doing anything. Uh, Gordon invites the bridge to a game night at, at Laura's uh, at Simulator 2. So, yeah, we have confirmation now of two simulators, which is really two cool. Two simulators. Check. Possibly more. Yeah, because they're good friends, they decide to go, like Kelly and uh, Tala, Lamar, and Ed. But 
I mean, they're not buying it. This is like wacky as hell. This is like, welcome to my wacky life. Come play Pictionary. Like, can you imagine that after work? Like, I've got to go play Pictionary in a simulation uh, with some one of my coworkers is dating a hologram. It's like, okay, well, you know what? Time out real quick. Sorry about this. But I mean, Dr. Finn and Isaac, when they were dating, it's like, you know, she made the comparison to a toaster and she's like, I don't really care what people think. This is kind of like a, a parallel. It's like it is. Gordon's dating a hologram. No, there um, is definitely some, uh, you know, connective tissue with those two stories. Uh, we see some uh, old-fashioned Pictionary, which is, you know, all we do here in 2015 and 2019. And uh, we see everyone's trying to guess uh, Gordon drew Julius Caesar, but no one no one knows. And he's like, he's like, look, it's the salad is right there. And like, oh, but there's such small pieces, like a Cobb salad. So he like drew a Cobb salad, even though it's Julius Caesar. It's, it's supposed to be, yeah, Caesar salad, but he drew, he just drew a salad, but it's like the, the connection, yeah, it's just... Yeah, Bob Cobb made a hell of a salad, and even then, it still lives on, even Gordon's still talking about the, the magnificent Cobb salad. Makes me think of that uh, the Kerber Enthusiasm episode with the Cobb salad, where uh, Larry's trying to find that this guy says his, his father or grandfather invented the Cobb salad, and Larry can't accept that, so he has to, like, dig deeper and stuff. Gets, like, uh, a PI and shit. Like. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Um, so yeah, uh, this they're playing Fictionary, and Lamar says, "Does anyone know what time it is?" And it goes, "It's got to be around 2,300 hours." And Laura's friend Trisha goes, "Oh, military time? Is that like a hipster theme thing?" And uh, Ed just goes, "No, Trisha, it's not." <laughs> and he gets up to leave. Like the way he says it, and like the look on his face is perfect. Yeah, I know. It's actually the funniest thing ever, man. I started losing it. It was just, uh, "Oh, military time? Is that like a hipster thing?" No, Trisha, it's not. Like he's beyond. Like, <laughs> like he's as pissed, he's as stern as Bordis in that, and he's just like, no, it's not. And they're they're going, they're out of there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's super funny. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's actually pretty cool when you get to see the crew like all like laid back. It's like Casual Friday. That idea yeah. that was pitched. Uh, and Dan missed out on it. What the hell? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you're right. Oh my god. I just actually I noticed just that. It. I Dude, just realized what Dan should totally been invited. He would have loved it. Though. He would have had a time. Except, you know, he's too alien looking. You can't put a hat on Dan. They would know. That's true. But come on. Say, like, they have Isaac's program. They could just make him look like, uh, like yeah, anything. You know what I mean? Like, this is my cousin. He's a burn victim. Don't say anything, you know? Or something. You know, a lot of swelling in the life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If Roger can get away with it, I'm sure he could. But, no, uh, you're right. You're right. I just realized, Roger's walking around like that. The podcast is worth it just for that alone. But yeah, everyone leaves, uh, and uh, it was nice seeing a hipster Tala. She looked pretty cute. Everyone leaves the uh, the party, and uh, Gordon and Laura are sitting on the couch talking, and uh, I love how Gordon mentions that he tried to draw Dick Van Dyke in Pictionary, and he said that uh, he, he didn't he didn't know who it was, so he had nothing to work with or whatever. He's just working with what he had. And, you know... We can only, like, imagine what the hell Gordon drew. <laughs> like, Dick Van Dyke. Nothing good. Nothing I mean, good. I'm not going to spell it out for you guys, but... Let's just hope he was drawing the... There. Yeah, let's just hope he was drawing the thing that stops water from flowing and not anything else. <laughs> but, uh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of the Family Guy bit when they had the PTV episode where they had the Dick Van Dyke show, but it was being censored, so it was the Bleep Van Bleep show. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that's old school stuff. Uh, that's so funny, man. Um, so yeah, Laura asked Gordon um, if he can make her not scared of flying, um, because he's previously mentioned that he's like a pilot, and you know what? All these lies that he's like had, it, it never caught up with him. Like he just had no. shitty luck in the end because she got back with her ex. No, I was it, waiting it for it to crumble. Waiting for it too, because like. I even say in my notes later on, it's like, okay, how long can this go on? Because, like, when she says she'll take a flight with him, it's like, how the hell are you going to do this? Um, this episode gave me a lot to think about. But even, like, this little little uh, 
exchange here when uh, Laura asks Gordon if he can make her not scared to fly, and then he brings up the uh, the airplane and Jello thing. How just picture you're in a thing of Jello when the, the turbulence is you within the Jello, basically. And that little description like made me feel better about flying. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, go for it. <laughs> no, no, no. Continue. I'm sorry. I, I'm not huge on flying, and I do it just because it's it's necessary to get to places in a timely fashion. But this is actually really comforting. Just that little blurb there. Yeah, you know what? When when I was watching this bit, I actually like just visualized it in my head, and I was like, "Huh?" Because like when he goes, like you don't actually um, like change position, like it's all relative to the Jello. Like you know, once the wiggle stops, you're exactly where you were, and you always kind of were where you were. It's just kind of like, yeah. So I don't know, man. I I found comfort in it as well. I don't fly and- a lot. And when I do fly, um, like I'm living in Toronto, as I've probably mentioned in the podcast before, um, we have a smaller airport called Billy Bishop, and they fly much smaller planes because it's oh. on the island. So it's like little dual propeller. And I don't know, that's the closest airport to me. I don't want to go all the way to Pearson. Um, and it's usually a bit cheaper. Um, so I fly with them when I come back to Halifax and visit the boys and like the family yeah. and everything like that. Um so I I get a lot of turbulence in like such a small plane, and I remember when I was flying back to Toronto from Halifax. This was uh not last year, but the year before that for Christmas. Um, you're coming over the lake, and there's so many turbulence. Like especially on that day, it was very windy. Um, I don't know what other kind of like factors um caused turbulence, but I'm gonna say the wind was probably the big one. Yeah. Um, and oh my gosh, man, yeah, it was it was a little uncomfortable. That's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'd be freaked out too. And what's cool about this story is like Gordon is almost the plane trapped in Jello. He's like afraid to get out of the Jello. He's like trapped in this little box there where he can't meet somebody or he can't find anybody. He is just stuck. And and no matter the crew is almost like the turbulence where they're living their lives and he just feels like he's stuck in this one same spot. Yeah, no, I guess you're right. Actually, that's a really good connection to make, man. Um, I don't know yeah. if that's applied or not, but if you get enough string, you can connect anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I liked it, and it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. And it's nice to know that Jell-O is still a, a real thing in the future. I'm sure that brand is still going strong, and they're pumped about that. <laughs> Jell-O, it, now worth, like, oh. Yeah, we had jell now we have Jell-O or whatever, the, the premiere. Uh, it's good stuff. Giddy and. Uh, yeah, so Gordon and Laura spend the night together, and they get a rude awakening as Kelly says, uh, this is Commander Grayson, you're late for work or whatever. And so he runs out of bed and rushes to uh, get dressed and get to the bridge. Ben, have you ever seen something like this on a Star Trek show where someone's late for work? Um, I'm trying to think. Let me probe my not. memory banks. Um, 400 episodes of TV. Um, you know what? Someone's totally been late for work before. Like, I know Tom Paris has definitely been late for shift before. Um, Tom Paris is actually the pilot from Voyager, which is, um, I'm going to make that connection. Gordon's the pilot, Tom Paris is the go. pilot, giddy up. That's my connection. I don't there think that that's too far off. Cause I mean, if he's going to get the Tuvok actor in an episode that Tuvok played a big role in, in Voyager, a similar story, then, you know, anything's possible with this show. Dude, I wonder if any of the Star Trek team are going to come and work on the Orville. That'd be Dude, amazing. I was reading that uh, they already got a writer that was working on Discovery Season 1 that jumped ship and went to the Orville for Season 2. I don't know the name of the writer off the top of my head, but yeah. Huh. Neato. Made a good, made a good choice. Made a good choice. 
It's funny that uh, you see him, uh, you see uh, Gordon getting woken up, but it's even funnier knowing that uh, it's his like real life fiance, Adrian uh, Padalecki or whatever, that wakes him up. So that'd be an extra level of a disturbing uh, rude awakening. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. We see uh, as uh, Gordon rushes to the bridge and he's there talking to everyone and uh, we'll mention it later, but you know, they're talking to Bordas who's smoking a cigarette and they get interrupted by a phone call. Gordon's phone rings and he's talking to her. And this just shows how he's living in like two different worlds. He's got a, he's got a phone there that's you know 350 years old or whatever and he's talking to someone in a simulator like he's living like the fakest life it's like playing fortnite on mobile there at work or whatever you're so out of <laughs> no i love that i know what you mean though um like it's so crazy he, he's living in like the oh my gosh yeah okay he's living in, like the 24th century he's dating a hologram of a girl from the 21st century um He's tech like he has technology from hundreds of years ago, so he like yeah his life is like all upside down and inside out and he's a reverse fry from Futurama too. He's living in the past. He's like taken from the future and put in the past, as opposed to taking from the past and put in the future. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I like that. You're right. Like he's trying to like make friends with all these people and like learn like you know like he found out what a phone number was pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's cool because like he could be a totally different person the more time he spends with them. Because Kelly says the people you spend you spend time with influence you and change you. So he could almost be like a displaced time person. He could be using slang from our our time. He could be saying words like "eat" and stuff. Oh my god, that would be that would be amazing. What a I, weird I, way for language to be like like brought back. I wouldn't mind that if you if you saw like Gordon walking by as Bordas and uh, Clyden are throwing through each other through the table I'm like oh man he just yeeted him through the table even though it wasn't like much of a, a yeet but uh, <laughs> anyways uh, <laughs> just oof like yeah later on we see uh, Kelly Ed Tala and Lamar talking in the mess hall about what to do about Gordon and they're saying stuff like well we could like turn off the simulator or uh, put a ban on there and then Gordon interrupts you know he walks up in on them and he asks them about Laura and what they think about her yeah speak of the devil eh what Gordon shows them a picture she sent him and it's like a dog with a pilot's hat and like the little like aviator glasses or whatever yeah. um and he's like yeah you see that like Laura says or she found a picture of me or whatever and Lamar's like yeah man it looks just like you like Sancho Lonely. Gordon's like, ha, shut up, man. Like, <laughs> and like, no one cares about this but you, Gordon. I know, it's like, almost like he's, he's talking, oh, I mean, yeah, it's so weird. It's like he has like an app that he's having a conversation with on his smartphone. And he's like, hey, look at this, like my, my pretend friend, like my make-believe imaginary friend is sending me photos of me. And it's like, yeah, okay, like, haha, but like this, this is not healthy, like. I guess I'm not like super familiar with like pilot's hats, but I thought for sure it was like a Nazi pilot hat that he oh has. Oh my with dogs. god! And like it, the this Iron wasn't... Star or whatever. Yeah, this was not a Count Dankula situation though. Uh, <laughs> this was just, uh, uh, you know, just me and my uh, my my silly mind here. But uh, no, I liked it. It was cute. Just uh, Scott Grimes is fantastic in this episode. He's so good at playing like a level uh, like a, a lovable guy. He's just down in his luck. Yeah, no, it's super true. He, he does an excellent job. Such a good, such a good role. Exactly. Yeah, um, Gordon, is, the crew keeps telling him, like, they say that she's not real, but Gordon says that she's real in all the ways that matter. And then it goes, well, it's like the cowboy program where Bordas is sex lagoon. And I, I love the reference to Bordas is sex lagoon. Like, if they ever do a, a theme park, I know oh, where the adults-only no. place is going to be uh, going to be named. But uh, <laughs> Gordon has a good point. He says that all those programs are written by them. The lore simulations are all from, like, elements of her life that the simulators compiled. 
Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I mean, like, I guess what like he fails to differentiate between is that he loves someone that's that was a real person, but this isn't her. This yeah. is a recreation of her, and he fails to really grasp that. It's true. Well, it's like if you're in love with someone, you're married to them for your whole life, and they die, and you have the option to have a simulation of them. You know, I I don't think it would be it wouldn't be healthy. You know, because it's not a living being. No, absolutely, it's true. Um, it's very Black Mirror. Uh, it, this whole episode felt very Black Mirror-esque, and I loved it. It was it was really cool. Yeah, it was super neat. So then, yeah, so like you know, people don't really accept that one, and then Gordon brings up Isaac, and he's like, you know, like he's he's just how do we even know what's going on there? Blah 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 blah. Trying um, to justify it. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to just make it okay, and they're like, <laughs> they don't look convinced. So Gordon gets a little bit taken aback, and he's like, "I'm not allowed to be happy. Like, you can bang a krill, but I can't date. I can't date a sales rep at Marcy's." This is a great <laughs> one of the lines of the night. There, I love that. And they always have to bring it up. But Ed, uh, Ed goes, uh, "She lied to me. I didn't lie to myself. There's a difference." And that's super wise and cutting too. That's like all he has to say. Like he said that written. He's like, if "Gordon brings that up." Like I knew he might, so I'll have that down beforehand. One thing that's cool. One thing I noticed uh, just as I was thinking about it uh, a few minutes ago. Women have such a tough time getting hit on nonstop in the 21st century and throughout time, I'm sure, that uh, it's kind of sad to know that, like, it doesn't end at death. Like, we'll find a simulation and then just keep on trying. (laughs) Even though she's been dead for almost 400 years, man. Yeah, anyway. Sorry, ladies. It was great to see the talk of the the krill (laughs) about how uh, Talia, the nice Talia callback, which uh, I'm hoping we're still bringing her up, which means we haven't forgotten about her. I'm hoping that she shows up by the season finale. Yeah, we need to see Talia before it's all over. Like, they have some unfinished business. Exactly. We get casual Gordon again as he heads to the simulator. I'll never get tired of seeing that. We see him with the smile on his face. He's walking head on, and little does he know he's about to get his heart broken. The door's open, and he sees Greg and Laura talking in the kitchen, which is never good for the third guy. Never good. It's very bad. That's a tough situation right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Greg walks out of the room and, you know, he's like, hey, can I get anyone a beer? And they're like, no. And then she gets really heavy. Um, Laura tells Gordon that her and Greg are going to try and work things out. Um, we've heard her say a lot of bad things about Greg, but I mean, I guess sometimes when you really love someone, you can look past their, um, their, their weaker points. Yeah, their faults. Gordon is not only like upset, but he's he's like heartbroken. He's confused. Um, poor Gordon. I don't and know, he buddy. just he just says like if that's how you feel it's how you feel like he was like shocked by this you know seeing it he didn't even think or he overlooked it he was so happy to find somebody that he didn't even think that there could be another yeah like we do know that he's overlooked some things like later in the episode he's like oh you know it was all there it was all there in the messages like i knew they got back together like it was the next scene where he's talking to lamar he says like i should have i shouldn't have been surprised i checked the phone data and it was all right there they they got back together well there you go uh it's almost like fate like that story was written and he's intervening with it and it's just not meant to be in more ways than one wow that's beautiful matthew uh, you know, thank you. I'm hoping, uh, as an aspiring writer, I have to make these connections. <laughs> what a connection to make, brother. Yeah, so Lamar and Gordon continue their conversation at the bar, and Lamar says, I'm sorry, man, I, I know how you're feeling right now. And Gordon says, do you? And he goes, no, no, not actually. I don't think I've ever been dumb. Even the worst breakup I've ever had, the girl was like, you can still come over and have sex with me whenever you want. <laughs> So, like, Lamar can't relate. Like, he can't relate to these, like, robot problems and uh, hologram issues. He's he's doing just fine in the dating world. He's He's got a great thing going with uh, Ensign Turco there. You know, wh- whether it's a thing or not, they haven't quite put a label on it, I'm sure. 
Yeah, they're still not certain either one of them, but they <laughs> they fancy each other's time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lamar tries to be there for him and continues. He says that for the long run, I I think this is this is for the best, and that some parts of your life are just out of your control. Unless it's a simulator, in which case you can just delete the parts that you can't control. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the case in this one. But no, it's definitely true. I mean, like certain things are within our control and certain things are just out of our control. And we often get hung up on the things that are out of our control. And you know what? It's better just to like let it flow. You know, things just happen when they happen. and It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all in many ways. For Gordon, I think that's true. And also for Laura, who we learned later on that Greg was the one that inspired her or got, helped her help build up her courage to go and sing on stage. So the Gordon that the uh, the Laura that Gordon met isn't the same Laura without Greg. Yeah, it's true. It's we're going to get into that in a minute here. That's it's super good. Yeah. So yeah, so um, Gordon enters a simulation at B. 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 Fayette, which is interesting. She says she works at a Macy's, but the name that we see is B. Fayette. That might be like a clothing line there, but that is a reference to Brandon Fayette, who works on the visual effects on this lovely show. Hey, that's really super cool. It's also maybe in like the parallel world where she didn't meet um, Greg, right? Maybe she didn't that's work true. at Macy's. That's true. She's like working at Macy's. Ooh. And now she's being promoted as a store manager or whatever. When I first watched this, I thought that she didn't remember Gordon at all when you removed Greg from it. I thought he like totally altered the, the history. It's like the timeline. How could you pollute the timeline? <laughs> No, but it turns out she does. She's just uh, different for other reasons, like not getting into music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I was just going to say, Laura Laura mentions that she wants to buy a ticket on one of Gordon's flights. And I, that's what I'm thinking, like, how long can this lie go on? Like, is he going to simulate a plane and, like, not show any of it and somehow he's on there? Like, he'd have to write, like, a new section of the program. Yeah, it'd be a pretty big lie. It's like, yeah, he'd need, like, help from someone else, I'm sure, like, to, like, yeah. write the whole program and shit. It's like, wait, you're going to dupe your like hologram girlfriend into thinking you're like a real pilot and yeah uh when she suggests going the plane uh gordon's like well only if you let me sing with you and then she says like i don't have the courage to do that so we learn that she's a lot different than the laura we last saw Uh uh-huh very very different from the laura that we know and love after this we cut to uh gordon in his quarters and this is where kelly enters and kelly gives one of the best speeches of this show and it was so goddamn insightful so um kelly enters and uh gordon mentions that you know greg was there all along he was the one that inspired her to go on stage and then kelly does her eye trick and gordon goes huh you see it i can cross one eye at a time so what Ed taught me how to do that. It is a characteristic of Kelly Grayson that exists only because of my relationship with him. No Ed, no eye trick. That's a hell of a romantic legacy. Now imagine the reverse. If someone went and deleted Ed from my life. No captain's chair, no war bill. For any of us, humans are social animals. We're born, we're a blank slate. And over the course of our lives, we expand and grow as a result of external stimuli. It's a pretty dry philosophy. It sounds it, but it's not. Every single one of us is shaped by the totality of our relationships. The people we love and the people we hate all make uh, their mark. Whether we like it or not, it's who we are. It's reality. You can't just pick and choose the parts of your past which you want to change and be able to know it's how it's all going to turn out. What if I never meet anybody else who makes me feel like she does? Well, I can't answer that. What I can tell you for sure is the second you started editing her world, it became unreal. Just another simulation written by Gordon Malloy. God, I'm going to miss her so much. People have been living and dying for as long as humans have existed. Most are forgotten, but not this one. She reached across four centuries and still got a guy to fall in love with her. We should all be so rare. 
damn, that's insightful. <laughs> like, that's touching, and it reaches through the screen and actually, like, makes you want to, like, change the way you live. It actually does. It's such a moving, such a crazy, crazy... It's just so, like, true. Um, that's the best reasoning ever, because, like, Gordon, this sucks, but, like, without this kind of stuff, there would be no ship that you and Ed wouldn't be able to be, like, best friends flying across the galaxy with Lamar, Isaac, Finn... Tala, you wouldn't have met uh, Alara and had a great time with her. Things didn't happen the exact way they did. Yeah, it's it's so crazy, man. Um, Just like if CBS hadn't have said no to Seth MacFarlane, we wouldn't have the Orville right now. We wouldn't have this glorious program that we all can enjoy right now and for many years to come. Yo, it's true, man. Um, and and it's, it's really crazy how it makes you think about life in general. Like you said, like it just makes you want to be a genuinely better person and stuff. And it's like it's so true it's like you know every little impact we have on other people and and this and that like anytime you talk to someone on the street like you don't know what their life's like you don't know how it's going to impact them and i mean just to be like the best person you can be just to make like you know like your friends and like family members and anyone that means you know things to you maybe like a spouse or like a significant other and whatever Mm -hmm. capacity you know it's like it's so beautiful when you really think about how people have changed your life Cause like I, I I can actually like say like yeah like these people that like I've been very close with like I know like where I've been molded in certain ways and how I've you know taken on attributes of things that they've done and it's mm. just really interesting you know what I mean you don't often think about it when you're living your day to day life but when you take a step back and maybe take a sit down watch the Orville or if you're you know listening to this podcast at work or something or wherever. Um, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really interesting um, to think about what kind of impact we have on the people around us, and we're not ever really aware of it. No, uh, as a person, we're like a planet just sitting there, and like people are like the asteroids that come and ding off the planet. Sometimes they create a beautiful waterfall, or they make a barren pit on the planet that you can't escape. It's, it's such powerful writing, and that's the beauty of writing is it gives you this script that you can just live by or think about and improve. It has the power to, you know, improve the way we live our life and just life overall for everyone. If we all just, you know, appreciate words like that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, super, super good dialogue right there. Like I absolutely love that section of the, of the episode. So yeah, we see, um, we see Gordon, uh, after this like great speech with Kelly, he's learned a lesson and, uh, he's learned something and he goes into the simulator one last time and joins Laura for a beautiful duet that takes place over like 400 years apart, which is great. Yeah. It's such a beautiful scene. Um, you know, she acknowledges him when he walks in he walks up on stage and shares the mic with her and. It's it's a really beautiful scene. The song's very moving as well. The the song is called That's All I've Got to Say and it's from The Last Unicorn. It's a really really beautiful song. It's good. Yeah. I got chills from this duet and uh, afterwards uh, Greg tells uh, Gordon tells Greg that he's a lucky guy and uh, Gordon explains that he got a new job as a test pilot on some kind of spacecraft and that he leaves tomorrow. Laura's obviously hurt by this and goes, "Oh, so soon." And uh, he says to her, "I promise you this, you will not be forgotten." which he knows from the video that she's going to make shortly after this is one of her greatest fears is being forgotten. And also from what she's told him. Mm-hmm. And, she, and it's interesting because she definitely was not forgotten. Like now the Orville knows of her, she's going to be in this museum. Um, and Gordon has, you know, fallen in love with her. She lives on through the lessons that she taught him or the experience that he had and the valuable lesson he learned from her. 
That's great. Absolutely, man. It's um, it's such a good scene, and like it, it just ends in such a great way. Um, when Laura's talking about the time capsule, and she's like, "Hey, we need like a photo, like before I put my phone in or whatever." Um, Greg takes the photo, and I don't know. It's like I, I was almost like expecting to see like the photo on the real phone. And be like, oh my yeah. god, Gordon's traveling through time. Not. <laughs> I saw that going around. Yeah, that would be sweet. But it, yeah. I don't know. My head would explode with the, like the logic and how that would work time wise and stuff. It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. And so someone be, said, uh, uh, someone said on Reddit, like, I bet Gordon's gonna go and find like your great 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 granddaughter or something and go ask. <laughs> like you didn't learn at all. It's like, oh well, but still, the great granddaughter, like pull a Captain America there and the the uh, the descendant, but. Uh, no, that that didn't quite work. And like they say, a photo is worth like a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh my God, the expression on Scott Grimes' face there, where it's like, yeah, I'm in the photo. Am I happy to be here? Yeah, I've just learned so much, and like I'm in this photo at in this place and time, and like I've learned so much from just being here. You know, it's crazy. It was such a good episode, man. Like a plot was so strong. It's just. It's really beautiful. Like, you know, it makes you appreciate things. I, I don't know, man. It, it made me think a lot about life and about, you know, relationships and, and friendships and um, no, just, like, the impact it. people have on other people. It's like a big, it's like a big fish tank and every little swim that this fish does, all those little ripples go across and the other fish feel them kind of thing. No, it, it's great. And this is such a, a heavy story that it's nice that it was balanced out by the B-plot, which uh, was really fun. One of my favorite Bordis stories with uh, uh, Bordis and Clyde in the, with the cigarettes was, was fantastic. Yeah, B-plot, I absolutely adore. <laughs> yeah, luckily we got our cigarette spurt here, uh, Ben, here to tell us all about this. Uh, no. What up? <laughs> no, you, uh, you're uh, more of a cigarette smoker than I, and uh, it's quite uh, it's quite a, a monkey on your back when you, you know you get into it. I'm sure a lot of people out here that are listening probably smoke, um, and I think we can all relate. Like, yeah, like smoking's enjoyable, this, that, and the other thing, but it's never ever fun to have an addiction to anything to be dependent on a substance. Um, but it can be fun on this episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we can make light of it because, I mean, hell, apparently people haven't smoked for hundreds of years back on Earth at this point in time. So, Which is yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to get too heavy into, like, the negatives. We all know, you know, addictions are, you know, what they are. They're terrible and it's a big burden that people have to overcome most of their life. But this episode was a cool way of showing just – I like how the Orville crew is so past the point of addiction that uh, once they have cigarettes there, it's almost like, a, you know, a virus on the ship and they have to contain it. Yeah, no, it's true, but it's it's freaking awesome. Yeah, um, we we get bored of synthesizing a cigarette uh, in his quarters, and uh, Clyden seems interested, and then eats it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "It's not food." Like, I was curious about the flavor or something, and it's like, "Oh my yeah. god!" Dude, I guess they light them with their phasers. Like, they've got like a fire feature because it looked like he was using it to light the cigarettes. Boris yeah, thing. he totally did use his phaser. Uh, I don't know how that's possible. Like, some kind of very, very low setting thing. I, I have no idea. But it's super it was, cool. Yeah, it was, it was like as cumbersome as using like a, a kitchen light or a barbecue lighter. There, those ones are the are the worst. Like get like one of those bics out, and it's just like, wait, they still make bics and like. <laughs> yeah. So once they start smoking, board is like, I've never experienced such a flavor, and Glenn <laughs> says, I feel like I've been standing my entire life, and I've just sat down. <laughs> you know what? It's so funny because I was watching this episode when this part happened. I was just like. Oh my god. I was like, I gotta go roll a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, people that are trying to quit, this is not the episode for you. you. You might have to see an edited version of this episode. And uh, 
Clyde says, the tingles, do you feel them? And and Boris says, I do. And then he goes to the simulator, 500 cigarettes. <laughs> it's like half a carton of smokes. It's like, oh my god. No, it's not. It's like two and a half cartons of smokes. My bad. Oh my god. Yeah, it's a lot of cigarettes. I love this. I love this so much. Just the way he says, 500 cigarettes. Like, he's so serious. Like, there's no question. Like, if you had people that were dealing with addictions and they had a synthesizer, this is what would happen. And it would be a disaster if you have access to your... <laughs> your uh your poison of choice there no you're absolutely right <laughs> just walk up you know they they have one cigarette each he is so certain that he wants to smoke a lot for the next hundred cigarettes <laughs> just no doubt in his voice or in his mind he's he wants 500 cigarettes and they know like dr finn when they first unveil the time capsule like mentions that it's bad for them but they don't care it's just interesting bordis is a wild man he's got to try it He's going for it. Um, so Tala calls Commander Grayson to bridge, and she's like, oh, we have a, a, a problem. Like, I'll explain it when you're here kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and then we just kind of enter the bridge. Uh, the crew's back is to us. And we, we just see Bordas, and we just see smoke, like, curling up above, like past his head. <laughs> He's just smoking loud. He's got an ashtray in hand. And Kelly pretty much tells him, like, you know... Your shift's pretty much over. You can, like, head out. And he's like, are you sorting, Commander? He's still smoking his dart. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just, it's actually... Bordis should brand cigarettes. I would buy his tobacco. There are so, so many photos of, of like, you know, the uh, menthol man or whatever and all those, like, P, all those ads for cigarettes with, like, Bordis in there. Like, he's had the mustache and the cigarettes. Like, we've gone to Flavor Country this season with Bordis. Quite There's no a question. gentleman. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, so Kelly tells Tala that, like, her and Ed will take care of it, like, not to worry about it, um, so Ed and Kelly enter Bordis and Clyden's quarters, and they just find them, like, hacking darts, man. There's, oh, yeah. like, hundreds of butts, like, they've, they've replicated more cigarettes, I swear to thee, like... They're just smoking uh, darts, they have no time for breaking hearts, just non-stop darts there. Darts, uh, darts, darts, baby. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like, a ton of cigarettes in the ashtray and stuff, it's great, and then, uh... Ed orders them to go to the sick bay, and uh, Dr. Finn says that he reveals that the Mocklins are susceptible to nicotine addiction, and Bordas asks if he's in any danger. And Dr. Finn says, what happens if you hadn't had any cigarettes for half an hour? And Bordas goes, I don't know. I, ha- I, do I, haven't, know. I haven't had to experience that. <laughs> That's how you know you might have a problem. Yeah, no, it's super funny. Um, yeah, I, I like how it's like... Bordas asks if he's in any danger. Uh, earlier in the episode, when Dr. Finn's talking about cigarettes, she says um, it, it was like a known carcinogenic, which at the time was like often fatal. But it's like at the time. So this means we've either like eliminated cancer or we've learned to treat it and get rid of it, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So it's like, could Bordas smoke if he just wanted to? And like, is there not like, you know, cancer isn't like a tremendous threat in the 24th century. I mean, could he just smoke all he wanted? theoretically but i mean it's still like interfering with everybody everyone have lung issues also someone mentioned on uh, i think reddit's like why did the sprinklers go off when he was smoking cigarettes but i guess they're not too sensitive uh, you know like they were on the uh, happy refrain episode hmm. that's actually interesting yeah yeah uh, when they're there with dr finn ed asked that they can just like take an injection or something but finn says it'll take uh, hours if not days to make one then uh, later on we go to the bridge and we hear Bordis loudly chewing gum and i can relate to this because uh, whenever i'm around my dad he uh, he quit smoking a few years ago and uh, he's always chewing the gum like the nicotine gum super loudly <laughs> and like this isn't uh, nicotine gum it's just like regular gum from what i understand yeah i don't think they specify that it had nicotine in it I think it was just gum, yeah. Um, but I mean, hey, like, hats off to your dad for quitting smoking, man. Because like, oh, yeah. I'm that's really proud of them for that. a hell of a time. 
Uh, Ed asks Bordis what he's eating, and uh, Bordis says it's uh, it's called gum, and it's used for addiction recovery. And Kelly asks, is it helping? And he goes, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just pissed off chewing his gum. It's not helping. That's why he's smacking his gum so damn loud. He's furious. Yeah, it's the rage of uh, no nicotine. Uh, he's I, I love for it. relief, and he's just not getting it, so he's aggressively chewing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so we'll continue on. Blah, 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 kind of like fast forward to the next Bordis and Clyden kind of cigarette. Um, so Bordis enters his quarters and looks for Clyden. Um, he has the ship to locate him and finds him smoking a dart in airlock two. Fancy Not that, airlock eh? two. Jeez. Yeah, and of all was... airlocks. Yeah, this, I hope they cleared up the P corner back there. Uh, <laughs> that's the shuttle bay, I think. But uh, no, th- this was a great scene because uh, he goes and finds when he finds Clyden, like Clyden's face of him smoking the cigarette, and realizing he got caught was really good. Red-handed man, it's like hot damn. Um, but yeah, so they they fight and Clyden's like, you know, he starts finding one of the cigarettes in the mid-fight, and then yeah. Clyden's just like, where are they? And he's like, there is none. Like it's not mine. Blah 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 blah. And then I just love it when he starts revealing them. He finally gives in. Uh, he gets one out of like the dresser, yeah, yeah, from the statue on top of the painting. He's like um, a magician pulling quarters at a kid's ears at a at a birthday party. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, hundred percent. Um, and then there's just like the big storage rack, the pillow. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's got to be another five hundred cigarettes, like. Yeah, it was a lot of cigarettes in there. Uh, that, that, that was a great moment, and uh, Klein just gives him a look like, I can't believe all the cigarettes in there. And uh, later on, we see that they're they're trying to get over it. We see Boris and Clyden are having supper, and they're, they're arguing. Uh, Clyden says that they're out of Nocta sauce, and Boris insists that it was Clyden who put the last of it on his uh, Pragas cake. And then things escalate, and they put someone through a table. <laughs> Basically, they they like scrap a little bit, and then Clyden basically picks up Boris, puts him through a table. It was pretty badass. Yeah, this is when Finn enters, and she announces that she's finished formulating the injection. Uh, it's like, who's first? And they both just, like, whip their hands up. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the end of their little story there. So I assume they'll be cured next time. But uh, that was a really great B-plot. I liked it. It was light. It was light and fun, and it was it was good stuff. And it was excellent timing. Like, I remember when the fight happened, um, and, like, they literally threw him through the table. That was, like, right after, like, a tear-jerking moment. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, this was a really touching. I, I loved it. It's nice. Like, when I started a podcast, when I decided to start this, and, and you and I agreed, it's like, I hope the show is good. I hope we get good episodes to talk about. And we've had amazing stuff to talk about week in and week out. It's been great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, like, thank you very much to everyone at the Orville. Um, they're making our jobs a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a I joy. Mean, it is. Like, honestly, I look forward to this each and every week when there is an episode. And if not, we're going to work on something to kind of fill in the gaps, perhaps. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're on the push to 500 views and 500 listens total. Uh, we're almost there. I'm pretty sure we're going to get there. But thanks to all you guys who have listened on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube especially. We're climbing in subscribers. We're we're getting there slowly. It's It's been great. And uh, thanks to everyone who decided to listen. And Hope you check out our blogs on Orville Central. That'll be coming out when this episode launches, and I'll put a link on our Twitter and Instagram and other social media platforms. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Like, 500 listens, it's pretty crazy. Um, when you think about it, like, sitting here right now, just kind of, you know, at my desk and Matt at his desk, and we're just kind of chatting about something we both fancy quite a bit. And, you know, just to think about, like, 500 people, like, maybe not 500 people, but, you know, 500 listens, like, I mean, there's only seven episodes, so, like, at max, it's, like, we still got, like, 
you know, like 80 something people who've listened to it. And I think that's great. Like if yeah. everyone has listened to every episode, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many people have actually listened. I know how many listens we have, but I just want to thank everyone who's tuning in and who continues to tune in. I mean, when you produce something, when you make something like really, that's all you want. You just kind of want people to appreciate it and to, to tune in, like talk to you about it and stuff. Yeah, we've seen the impact a hologram of someone can have 400 years later. It's nice to see that uh, people that like or subscribe or comment on our stuff, it really does bring joy to our days and just shows the impact that just, you know, the small things can make on our lives right now. Yeah, it's like the little ripple, you know, we do something fun and if you guys enjoy it and it brings pleasure back to us and it's just kind of, it's it's really nice. And yeah, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. It yeah, if you'd like to... If you want to uh, give us a review on iTunes, if you like the show, that'd be fantastic. It helps us get our name out there and helps uh, more people see us. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, guys, get us all up in that algorithm. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Would so, be Ben, is is there anything that you'd like to cover? Um, I think I pretty much summarized everything. There is one thing that I keep thinking about, though. The B-plot, to me, just reminds me of the King of the Hell episode when they're trying to quit smoking. They find that Bobby has cigarettes or whatever. And then they go buy a carton, and Hank makes him smoke as many as he can. And, and then, then everyone he, in the family starts smoking secretly. That, yeah. yeah, behind everyone's back, and they get into fights. It just reminded me of that. But, uh, Those are my grits. Like, I don't know you. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on the episode. I think this was a hell of an episode. A lot of it speaks for itself, but if anyone wanted more, I mean, we talked about it for this. I think it's going to be a lengthy episode, and uh, it was packed with content. I'm, I think we talked about a lot of cool stuff here. Yeah, it'll definitely be a little bit longer than like the 55-ish minute mark. Um, But you know what? This is such a good episode of the Orville, and we just have so much to talk about. And I'm sure if you guys keep tuning in, you'll you'll love to hear it too. So, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thanks, you guys, so much. And from the Lucy Lou system, for Commander Ben Bullerwell, this is Matt Murphy signing off.